is the 48th episode of Candidate Ciceroni Live. You have heard us so many times bringing in such different topics and such interesting personality. And I'm very excited today because we have this very, very special guest who is joining us straight from Orissa. Please join me in welcoming Yuvrani Minal Kumari Singh Dev of Den Canal joining live from Orissa. Welcome Minalji. Thank you so much, Faluri. Thank you for having me. I am so excited because this is the first time we will be kind of uh, speaking to um, uh, an individual from the royal family on our portal. That kind of brings this very nuanced excitement. So, I'm so, without, <laughs> so um, before we move on further, I would like to give introduction um, to everyone who's joined in and the viewers who will be joining in. We've all heard about in the past when we watch movies, we've read literature about the royalties and the way they would kind of um, uh, be patrons to art, culture, literature, music. And in every age and in every era, we have seen that there is a lot of movement that has happened because of the patronage. After independence, a lot of changes happened and the government took charge and there were independent professional associations that were there, which kind of took charge of patronage. And uh, there were NGOs and consumers like me and you who are now directly connected to all this um, uh, art, culture, literature movements. Having said that, there are still some royalties across the country who take it upon themselves to bring uh, some good to the communities that are around them and in their states. About Yuvrani uh, Meenal Kumari ji, she has been born to the renowned environmentalist, bureaucrat and author M.K. Ranjit Singh and Kalpana Kumari in erstwhile princely state of Bakaner, which is Apnu Gujarat. And from there, and from there, she um, got married to Yuvraj Amarjyoti Singh Dev of Dhenkanal and shifted to Orissa. Her education has been very, very interesting, her journey. Her initial school days were at the International School Bangkok. Uh, since her father was deputed there uh, through United Nations and later she did her English literature from Lady Sri Ram College, University of Delhi and went on to complete a Bachelor of Education degree at NCRT Bhuvaneshwar. Together, the husband-wife duo converted the Dhenkanal uh, Palace, restored it and converted it to a heritage homestay. She has been also qualified into art and that led her to start her own brand, which is Meena Ketan. And we have a lot of interesting stories around it. In the last five, six months, um, Meenalji has been instrumental in, uh, in reaching out to artisan, craftsmen, weavers around her community. And she has led a helping hand to almost 600 plus families. And she has been awarded by HDFC Bank also. But before we move on to the pandemic journey, we would like to begin from where it all started, Meenalji. So tell me, how was your, what was your first tryst with textiles having born in Bakaner? What were the textiles like there? And what got you interested? My love affair with textiles and the craft started very, very early. I mean, I can think back maybe eight, nine. Um, my earliest memories are in Wakanir, you know, um, we are Krishna Bhakts. So we have the um, 
the Thakurji, uh, there's a Gundu Gopal, a Laddu Gopal uh, idol. And uh, he had these beautiful clothes. So a lot, everything, you know, all the functions, festivals, Janmashmi and all the others, he would be dressed up. So he had winter clothing, summer clothing. There were colors which changed. And they were all very small. The topis were lovely, Zardozi. The material was uh, atlas and mushroom uh, with beautiful prints also. And then they were in the backdrops, there were these pitchwais, you know, the tradition of having a pitchwai or a fabric woven or even lace would be there. And these would just fascinate me. Uh, we also have a museum because uh, Wakanir Palace had converted into a heritage hotel years back. And uh, my uncle and grandfather had started it. And there was a museum. And the museum had some of the most beautiful textiles, you know, of uh, my great grandmother. So Ghagra's in Atlas with the mochi stick, uh, stitch. So th it was a very early uh, start, you know, the exposure. And of course, our, uh, our Bharwars in Wakanir, I would see them walking around with their stick and beautiful uh, garments they had. Uh, we traveled a lot also. So um, we went to Bhuj. My aunt, my uh, father's sister was married in Bhuj. So a lot of exposure there. I fell in love with Bhuj and all its uh, craft, its embroidery, its textile at a very early age. We made two, three uh, trips there. I would just go there and sit for hours seeing how the mushroom was woven. Uh, we went annually to Selana, which is my mother's uh, home. So my nanny hall, my maternal grandparents were there and um, during New Year's. And we would have a get-together where we would have a fancy dress. All our cousins, aunts. Wow. And my nanny had wow. this store with these lovely trunks where, you know, we would look for our costumes and accessories. And it had oriental fabrics, banarsis, beautiful uh, fabrics and saris, which we cut up and made into, <laughs> ruined them at times. But it was just fascinating for me. Yes, some of them were already cut up by my mother, who was a fashion icon in her time, and her sisters. <laughs> they were tailored into various shararas, gararas, all of that. So we would look at those and, you know, it was fascinating. Also, my father traveled a lot. As you mentioned, he was uh, with the United Nations. And everywhere he traveled or even took us, uh, he would bring back a piece of textile or, or something of the local craft as a souvenir. So both my sister, myself, my mother, we got, we developed this discerning eye, you know, to the, the embroidery, say in the Philippines or the Thai weaving or the Batik in Indonesia. So yeah, it was an early start. <laughs> that's quite fabulous to get acquainted with a lot of textiles at an early age, because that's when you kind of start, I feel, um, appreciating the beauty of the time that goes into creating something like this. True, true. So then moving on to how are the textiles different in Orissa vis-a-vis -vis what you were kind of acquainted here in Vakanir? Um, in Vakanir, of course, the materials were different. We had a lot of, say, um, Georgette and uh, chiffon. A lot of Georgette chiffon was worn. The Bandhis were done in Georgette chiffon. There was a lot of mushroom and atlas, of course. Uh, Orissa is rich in silk. And uh, silk is very, of course, they have beautiful cotton weaves as well. But here for everything auspicious or of marriage, it's the silk which is worn. So I, uh, there was a lot more silk here. The designs and motives are very different to what we have, say, on the, um, the gharchodas or the patolas. Mm -hmm. uh, but the technique was the same. So the famous patola of pattern. And here it's the ikkat technique. And it's all this uh, tie and dye where the patterns are first tied and uh, then dyed various many times over on the yarn and then it's placed on the warp and weft. So the technique was the same. So there was a little deja vu there, of course. 
बट ये एक वर्स डिफरेंट एंड there was a lot of poshak sarees ghagras that we wear the mirror work you know the the bandage mirror work bharat kaam uh, on the ghagras in gujarat which was not here in fact the ladies over here the uh, the cotton which is woven is thick and it's so hot and humid here that the people the ladies in the village won't wear a blouse or a petticoat hmm. they are so adept at just wrapping the saree without a petticoat and they're very well concealed everything and they wear it beautifully but there are no uh, blouses and petticoats so wow. it's thicker fabric but that suited to the climate here so you know it's it's like that so every region i think is so different but yeah when i got married uh, i had a little idea of uh, you know the, the, how rich odisha was in its craft and textile heritage and in uh, delhi we were in delhi earlier and i used to visit a lot of the textile fairs the craft museum delhi hat all of those were my addas so a lot of exposure i knew how beautiful the fabrics were and my father had got us some beautiful uh, sarees from orissa my mother my sister myself and i had not been to orissa before marriage so when i came here it, it was a small place dhankanal and i had to find things to do and i knew that this was one of them that i wanted to do so got in touch with the uh, local artists the weavers and uh, you know sort of just established a, yeah a rapport with them but also a lot of these had been started and patronized by our ancestors so some of these towns and the weaving centers had been established they had been given land the artisans by our ancestors and they started their cottage industry so again you know to sort of reestablish that link was very fulfilling and it's been 30 years now falguni and uh, i've been working with the local crafts and trying to do my own very little but my little bit yes wow can you retrace back to 30 years ago when you kind of had the first tryst you know i would like really uh, want to know how has the journey been like in this 30 years what what changes have you seen that has happened in textile and craft sector when i got married falguni it was um, you know delhi at that time when i was in college was like the hub it was the center of art culture textile and everyone wore a lot of sarees a lot of ethnic wear right. and uh, that was a trend there and even in colleges you know we had these cheat and a lot of salwar kameezes and then there was a lull you know just sort of uh, there was much more of western clothes and youngsters wanted to wear more of jeans and uh, lesser people were wearing sarees i felt and uh, in odisha of course it was uh, 30 years ago there was very little infrastructure tourism was not very big here so we started out with tourism at a you know just we uh, we wanted to convert our palace room by room and uh, turn it into a heritage home stay so you know the crafts and the heritage home stay all went hand in hand for me because uh, both my husband and i wanted to retain the odia flavor in the new rooms that we were doing up or uh, renovating we wanted to incorporate as many uh, crafts and get as many artisans to work for us as we could so we went floyd about you know 17 18 skills that we could around uh, dhankanal and odisha and used them say in our soft furnishing in our uh, crockery cutlery everything you know the walls we've painted in the style of patachitra uh, so a lot of that of course um it has come a long way now uh, textiles and uh, crafts but uh, you know for me to get uh, close to the craft and the textiles to have an understanding i felt i had to uh, share a slice of their lives to able to be able to respect and work with that craft be it the dokra patachitra filigree so i used to actually go and spend hours with them and try my hand at it so if it was wires that we were working with uh, wax wires on the dokra which is uh, as old as the indus valley civilization brass 
uh, using the uh, lost wax. So I would try my hand there, sit with them. I would see what's cooking in their kitchen, stand at the furnace and see the hazards and the hardships of these uh, crafts and uh, skills. Uh, even the weavers, I had this mentor called Kundu Babu, who I would go and sit on the bench and just, you know, he explained the entire process uh, to me. I would have my lunch with him. And if I needed to use the facilities, I would go out and say, like, where do I go? And that set me say, you know, thinking, I said, this is, do you go to the bushes? And they would say, yes. So then we started to work towards the Sulab Sochales for these artisans. And, you know, one thing just led to another. But it's come a long way. And uh, my understanding has improved. And uh, I have a huge rapport with them. You know, they're like my family now. And uh, there's so much more awareness now. Again, I feel there's a resurgence of handicraft, of, uh, you know, Atma Nirbhar, Apna, whatever's local. Yeah. So I, I see hope there, you yeah. know, a lot more awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, uh, so digital media also has a lot of role to play, I believe. Um, the way these movements have grown and the way people are taking pride, I believe, in um, wearing everything that is local, that uh, flaunts their heritage. Yes. It's a lot to do with pride, Falvini. I always say that, you know, till the pride doesn't come into uh, the artisan, into the consumer, the younger generation, especially, you know, very little can be achieved. There has to be a sense of pride in our belonging, in our uh, heritage and culture Absolutely. to take it forward. Absolutely true. <laughs> and the net, the net is, is amazing. Yeah. Social media, the net is amazing. And I think the artisans have to really uh, find their presence there too. Absolutely. So while we are talking about this and the primary reason we got connected through ASIF was this about your COVID work, you know, um, the, the, you embraced social media during that time also much more, I believe, uh, documenting craft and COVID and uh, uh, you went, I believe you kept on going to uh, every village and understanding what was the issue. So can you please uh, take us through that entire journey and tell us what has been happening in last five, almost six months of lockdown now, opening and all of it. Yes, so it's been a learning experience and what an enriching one for me. Uh, it started soon after because, you know, during the lockdown, we would discuss uh, Asif uh, Sheikh, as you said, of the CDS Art Foundation is a huge mentor. And uh, my uh, sister Radhika Raji, who's married in Baroda, she's a huge uh, textile revivalist, patron of the arts and crafts. And we would talk, uh, you know, amongst each other over the phone and said, what's going to be the plight? I mean, all of us have been hit and how hard are going to be the artisans hit? Uh, at least we have savings, you know, they won't even have that. So we would discuss and I started making my calls to all the artisans that I had been working with over the last 30 years. So it was mainly the Dokra, the weavers, Patachitra artists, the bell metal, the potters. So made my calls and started to ask how they were doing. And a lot of them called, you know, without even reaching out and uh, said that we're in, really in a, in, a, in a lot of hardship we're facing. And uh, so my daughter, myself and my husband, we collected some funds. My daughter put in a part of her salary, Radhika put in and I, and we started to just reach out to the artisans that we were close to with provisions. You know, so there would be provisions, a little bit of cash and to pick up some of the stock which they had lying. So uh, we, we did that. And I started putting up these posts as uh, COVID and the craft diaries on social media. I was not very technically savvy, but uh, with a little help of my daughter, I started doing those posts. And uh, the response was overwhelming. Radhika shared these posts on all her following. 
and uh, we had a response from people we didn't even know coming forward to give donations wanting to place orders wanting to help with websites and you know have these artisans selling online and a small act just uh, snowballed into something bigger so you know from three four villages we then as the funds and the help came in we started going to more and more villages and we some of these crafts are going to be what a discovery to me because living so close by i had not actually discovered some of them and because we reached out and looked out we found so many more crafts and today we've done about 700 families the um, orders are trickling in you know because we share these posts so the idea is the idea was now it's been 5 months to uh, let the people who have come forward to help at least know you know what we are doing with their funds where it's going and also to showcase these uh, crafts and skills which are really uh, untalked or sometimes unheard of also even within the state so it was like a showcasing of crafts and they did very well these posts and uh, yes i'm st- a lot of discoveries and uh, it's been really an enriching uh, experience we're still couriering i've still got a lot of things lying from brass uh, urns goras matlas to sarees and we are now couriering them and helping out the artisans you know getting the orders delivered wow tell me something you mentioned that there were a lot of uh, things that you discovered uh, you know uh, the newer kind of uh, materials or probably a uh, craft uh, give me some example what what was it that uh, kind of really fascinated you yes yes so falguni my uh, my daughter you know she's done her um, uh, masters in history and philosophy of art and she came back and she took up a job at the bhumneshwar craft and textile museum and uh, she i used to sort of reach out to her and say please tell me if i'm missing out anything and then she would join me on these trips that we did you know with our trucks or uh, sorry a tempo load of uh, provisions and uh, she gave me some of the insights that these crafts are there and we have to look out for them because uh, you know she had all the documentation and uh, with her help we reached out and looked out for some of course our local you know people that we were in touch with and friends and people they also we said please go out they would go on motorbikes and look out and uh, we found a, a weaving village so i have been working with the weavers about an hour away a place called maniabandhu nuapatna which is famous for its weaving uh, which is an hour away and uh, the last 3 months ago i found a village which is 25 uh, kilometers away with 81 families weaving i had no idea the family our family had no idea and when i went there they said you know it's your uh, ancestors who actually set us up here and it was just a beautiful feeling it was you know that now i need to work here with them and uh, i started giving them a few orders so that was a huge discovery for me we found a gentleman who is a uh, pradipto he is working with straw craft so he has invented and reinvented and he's working with this straw craft which is uh, not really you know not many people know about it so the craft museum had a piece a huge mm-hmm. piece made by him mm-hmm. uh, so we're now working with him a little bit of design intervention uh, there were uh, patachitra artists in dhenkanal where i i used to go towards puri and bhubneshwar and i found uh, two very talented artists even in dhenkanal and they both uh, speech impaired so you know now we are working with them and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been amazing really i'm sure <laughs> and it's something so close to my heart so I, i've got a lot of work in the coming months now absolutely i'm sure you have a lot of work going on and you are already facilitating it quite a lot um in this entire years of experience that you've worked with um, artisans and weavers and different craft forms what do you think should a should a weaver or any of the craftsmen or the artisan uh, get acquainted with to be relevant in this century 
you know what should they kind of um, change the gears what should they do to kind of live a life of dignity and be at par with what is going on what's your observation this is a very important and relevant point palvani because uh, what uh, you know these are age old traditions and techniques thousands of years old and we don't want to meddle too much with them and change them too much but what they have been working with uh, have also been ancient you know art forms or uh, the use in those days was different we have to make them relevant to our day to day modern uh, lifestyle uh, there has to be design intervention whether it comes from me or various places various uh, you know art uh, designers working with these artisans and just holding their hand a little just to with the designs to make them more modern so uh, you know the sarees not many youngsters want to wear sarees now so how we can't uh, get away with it you know we have to have ikkat we have to have handloom it has to be there so how to make it feasible that the younger generation also wants to wear it so uh, we came up with the ikkat we bought the fabric and had the fabric woven and we used to have funky clothes you know the westerns the reversible jacket palazzos all that made in the in ikkat a uh, shoes bags made in ikkat table runners you know so bringing it to our, our lifestyles and homes table runners curtains soft furnishing cushions even patachitra so it could find a way into all these also dokra work also you know they would make lamps diyas but to make it more usable we used uh, made coasters uh, visiting card holders and a lot more such uh, products so design intervention has to be there of course uh, there's a sense of pride as we mentioned which the artisans are losing now i find palvani their working conditions are such you know they don't have a sense of pride when you visit them they are almost embarrassed about their living standards about their, the craft that they're continuing and the very little that they earn doing and continuing these uh, legacies so there has to be a sense of pride of the younger generation has to be motivated because most of the artisans you know it's 40 and the younger generation is moving out into various other jobs so if they are can earn by continuing this craft and it has a sense of pride in them uh, it will be feasible also the consumers because it all comes down to you know what we as consumers create they will produce so each consumer has to be aware and buy something which is handmade which is indian local and try and use it in our day to day living so if it's the potters uh, they're making diyas now we've done away with a lot of the diyas uh, during diwali we're using chinese even i do the lovely little chinese candles the fairy lights that we but you know at least 100 diyas or 50 50 diyas we can you know we can use that in our day to day um, dining say kasa we've done away it's all about you know crockery and melamine a lot of people are using steel but a little bit of kasa brass if we can incorporate so it has to be a conscious effort on both the artisan and the consumers uh, you know we have to meet halfway somewhere there also things like dishwasher friendly uh, microwave friendly so a lot of those have to machine washing so we all have to find ways and means of doing that correct so i So about design intervention plus um, plus the idea that an artisan or a craftsman needs to know the modern ways of doing business. I believe uh, yes. upgrading themselves, uh, becoming more digital media savvy, so that they do not remain dependent on a lot of other people, the intermediate intermediaries. I think the light has gone there. We are waiting for Meenanji to get connected. I think there is some issue with her connection. 
Like continue, Falguni. I think we've just yes. the electricity's oh, gone off. So we just have it. I'm back. The light had gone. we were just talking about this and this is what happened so yeah the electricity is not very good in the smaller places they are not very really technically savvy right. they don't have smartphones even today uh, they have to go uh, online they have to and we all have to help them do that you know uh, and also the international market salvin because i feel internationally people do understand they're ready to pay anything i mean hand pressed juice is more expensive than juice made in a mixer Absolutely. so anything which is so beautifully crafted there's an appreciation yeah there yeah. is an appreciation so an international presence you know that which can be done online so of export uh, which the government could help with more policies there uh, the living standards have to be improved as i was saying Right. So yeah, technically it, it's huge. They have to be a little more. I think uh, what the patrons, um, maybe interme uh, the the patrons like yourself, or there are a lot of designers who are intervening. Um, would there be a possibility to conduct some education or training for the this people so that they become adapt to the newer ways? with falling to take this you know because we started small we thinking of uh, you know having workshops and starting schools here where uh, not only because these are all inherited you know the family passes on this maybe others there may be others like me and you who want to learn this craft just for the sake of it maybe so little more of these uh, skill imparting uh, schools and uh, centers also uh, you know workshops for them uh bring in people who can sort of guide them uh, with the social media with technology you know maybe the government could do that let that way right right fantastic so tell me how do you plan to take this patronage at a larger level what are your future plans i think we are losing some connection here please bear with us while we get the connection we get the connection again yeah can you hear me falguni yes i can yeah. hear Yes, yes yes you could you could ask me the 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 question so that i could continue also yes the question was how do you plan to take this patronage on a larger level what you have been doing right now can you repeat that for me falguri yes uh, how do you plan to continue this patronage further ahead on a larger scale can you hear me meenal ji Yes, are working towards that. We do want to form an NGO by way, uh, by where you know we could. Uh, uh, one is awareness. I find that when we were traveling, uh, moving around all these, they they they're not really aware. They're not aware of what they are entitled to. Be it uh, medical facilities or be it uh, facilities as an artisan, a skillsman. Uh, 
things like you know having an artisan card made they didn't know where to go who to approach sometimes there's a lot out there which the government has done for them by way of medication you know that just to bridge that gap between them and how to get there so uh, we have been working on them a lot of them have come to us and we have actually shown them where you know so certain official that they should meet actually taking them under money under the table to try and get a bed in a ward earlier so said no you are entitled to better than that you are you know so now they are going to doctors we have taken children who have never been to a doctor oh. you know and uh, the parents and the grandparents even know that these children had a problem there was a a, a child uh, which this is a story which is close to my heart um, a child with down syndrome and uh, these are the wood carvers and when i was visiting there there was this elderly couple and they had a, this is not your child they said no this is our grandchild and our uh, daughter delivered him when she was just about 17 18 and he's not born too well and he's uh, just struggling to walk and uh, so i said no it looks to me i'm not a doctor but it looks to me that he has down syndrome and he needs a doctor have you ever shown him so they said no it will cost a lot of money and we don't know you know where to go Hmm. so uh, i asked what his name was and he didn't have a name they called him icu because he was in the intensive care unit at birth so <laughs> so we took icu to the doctor and he was admitted in a ward especially for children this is you know it's it's a beautiful ward for a 10 bedded ward they give physiotherapy they run a battery of tests because these children you know he was uh, malnourished and uh, his heart had a condition so he was there he's undergone physiotherapy but now you know just that bridging that gap of uh, just the know how that is one uh, also through the so you have connected with one or two wonderful ladies who are trying to reach out right like what uh, you know maybe little educational institutes closer and then sort of this uh, more accessible and to find the work with you know to take it at uh, to another level so that is happening keeping my fingers crossed but definitely want to i think we are missing missing out meenalji the last line we missed out yeah, can you okay no just just want to take it forward this way yeah so Love you know there there is coming hello okay i think uh, i think there is a lot of net yes yes i can hear you intermittently guni now yes i can hear you now right so moving on to the last question meenal ji um what is uh, what is the customary inclusion in a royal uh, bridal trousseau like how about what was your bridal trousseau like and what does a uh, royal Royal Trousseau look like. Uh, so the Royal Trousseau, Falguni. I think you know it, it's a, it's according to the state or the region that you are. So I think you know in the royal families, it would be a lot to do with what locally one would take. So in Rajasthan, it would be the poshaks or the bandis. In Banaras, the the bride would take Banarsis. Um, in in Gujarat, of course, the bandis. So I had to have my uh, Jamnagar bandis, my uh, Kutch bandis. I had to have my patola. and my ghar choda 
and uh, because you know my mother also wore a lot of uh, handloom and textiles from all over the so that was another exposure we she wore a lot of textiles from all over the country so i wanted that in my trousseau and wherever we traveled so if we, we went to maharashtra i would pick up a paithani if we went to andhra it would be a gadwal or a pada uh, you know a kanjivaram i wanted a sari from each state so it was and i do wear a lot of sarees in those days we did so you know i collected a lot of those but uh, nothing really exclusive by way of say erstwhile royal family but a lot they all just take a lot of uh, what everybody else locally would be taking in their uh, bridal trousseau so i think i love the whole idea like most of the uh, uh, communities would have that right like to pick up uh, 11 sarees or 21 or 51 or 100 sarees and yes. they were generally from different uh, provinces so that yes. one could kind there's always an odd number so you know 51 11 so 101 so that is yes <laughs> That, I think that would be fantastic to once have a look at your actually um, the collection of sarees. One you're wearing is also so beautiful. The one I think it's yes, so uh, this is woven very close by. It's it's a hand woven one, uh, a kakhandwa woven very close to Rangkalal. Lovely, lovely. It has been such a handloom falguni. Each piece has a story, you know, because you know the artisan, the weaver who's woven it, under what circumstances. So each piece, hand handcrafted piece, woven piece, has such a lovely story behind it. So uh, it makes it that much more special. I agree completely, and I think what the lockdown has made us do is also, um, uh, like, take a breather, calm down. and like you know if you want to make a purchase then like think about it what do you want to buy and invest time and money into something which is going to give you pleasure over a longer period of time rather than just getting something because i like it right now and just wear it once or twice and just let go of it oh true and we've all i think realized during this lockdown how little we need to to live a comfortable life you know how little and the less we have the less the tension <laughs> Absolutely I agree completely. <laughs> It has been such a pleasure speaking to you Meenal ji and I uh, totally wish from the bottom of my heart that whatever and uh, yours you are doing right now towards helping the arts artisan and the craftsmen goes on to a larger scale and more and more people join in not just by helping through um, uh, of interventions but also buying the craft from these people. and if they can give their resources you know i feel design intervention is strongly needed if people are talented enough probably give time you know to teach the people something a skill set which is required by the modern industry right now you know and obviously the government has to play a huge role into it um um so yeah yes valguni absolutely you said you said it all thank you so we much we also we also have a you know a, 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 i i didn't I, because of the internet there's a, yes. we have a showroom a shop called meena ketan which you had uh, mentioned and uh, meena ketan is actually uh, my own uh, venture whereby i have uh, sort of started working with all the handicrafts i'm taking them forward bringing to the fore by way of exhibitions so you know the form for forums like royal fables and various other for, uh, forums like cds we have a boutique here in the palace also so you know if the tourists cannot find time to reach out and see all the crafts they're all here under one roof right and uh, that also we want to take forward you know so so we do intend to go to the villages and uh, do our bit there with design intervention 
evolve a bigger team probably. Just now it's just two, three of us, but involve more people there. Do you intend to go online for that as well? Yes, yes. I am very technically challenged. So now I've told my children, my son is a pro is studying to be a product design very near Ahmedabad. And uh, I've caught hold of both my children and I said, lockdown, you have to get me online because just see how many people you will be helping. So I hope even from a, you know, from a ghada to a brass spoon, to a, to a hand woven sari, to a basket, uh, weaver basket, if I could sell all these products, it, it would be wonderful. That's my dream. <laughs> Absolutely. And people like us who are not there, we can at least order in online, you know, and yes. that kind of helps the market expand like considerably. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure speaking with you, Meenalji. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and we wish you super good luck for the times ahead. Thank you so much, Palguni. I'd like to thank all our viewers and Sisaroni for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you.